I don't even know if I can thumb that anywhere. That just sounds so peculiar. <laughs> Do you want to put the thumb somewhere where you can't say? Hey there, I'm David Leet, the founder of the website Leet's Culinaria and the author of the cookbook, The New Portuguese Table. And I'm Amy Traverso, food editor and co-host of the public television show Weekends with Yankee and author of the Apple Lover's Cookbook. And this is Talking With My Mouthful, a podcast devoted to food, food-adjacent stuff, other things that aren't food, Amy's opinions on many things, but <laughs> mostly food. <laughs> so, David, hi. Hi, Amy. Hey, how was your food fortnight? My food fortnight, my food fortnight was full. Boy, a lot of F's in that. My food fortnight was full. So... We've been sharing a lot of responsibility when it comes to the kitchen. Actually, the one, as he has told us when he came on here and spilled the beans, that he cooks more than I do. But he made this wonderful filet mignon that was wrapped in bacon, mm. and it was seared perfectly. And he had roasted asparagus with, air quote, hollandaise sauce. <laughs> and do you know what his hollandaise sauce is? Is it like mayonnaise with something in it? It's mayonnaise with mustard mixed in it. Okay, that's, that's fine. And yeah. the thing is, the damn thing tastes good. Yeah, <laughs> that's does. all that matters. I just matters. wish he'd stop calling it hollandaise sauce. <laughs> and uh, I've been bonkers for biscuits lately. Mm. So I made ham and cheddar biscuits, and they've got bits of ham. You can use leftover ham, or you can buy deli ham and cheddar, and you know you layer them. And I just was really craving carbs. And have you heard about this thing called Frico biscuits? Oh, I know what Frico is. It's the crispy cheese, right? Right. So people make cheddar biscuits, right? And I didn't do it this time, but I will on these. And or ham and cheddar biscuits or any cheese. And what they do is they then grate a lot of cheese over it and around the bottom mm. of the biscuit. So when you get it, it's like a little top hat. The rim is all the Frico uh. and then the biscuit is the middle. So I'm going to do that next time. And then I also made these chocolate peanut butter cookies. These are marvelous. They have a peanut butter filling and they're wrapped around with chocolate and then they're rolled in, in sugar. Mm. And we love them. My mom loves them too. And so I made those recently. Oh, yeah. nice. Adam, how was your food fortnight? Oh, so glad you asked me because I've got a question for you, Amy. Uh-huh. Before I say what it is. So, antipasta, antipasti, antipasto, antipast. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You're just in Italy. What's the deal with this food? What do you call it? It's either antipasto or antipasti, depending on the context. The antipasto is the course of sort of those nibbles that you have before eating. Mm -hmm. um, but antipasti would refer to like multiple dishes that you would serve. So that's just the plural. I think antipast is kind of like an Americanization that abbreviated, like people say regut instead of ricotta. Yeah, you know? brajole instead brajole. of brajole. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm asking because I'm trying to figure out how to actually say what I ate that was delicious. Okay. But it was... Antipasto squares, antipasta squares. Ooh. Okay. So we know what antipasta, like, mm -hmm. like the ingredients, right? So we're instead a family gathering and Jess's cousin's wife, Christine, is a fantastic, fantastic baker. And she's always making something really, really great to share every time she comes over. And this is what she made. She made these antipasto squares. And basically it was pepperoni and salami, mm -hmm. roasted red peppers, Peppercini, which is my favorite thing. Yeah. Mm. And provolone. And then she wrapped it up in, I think it was just like a, maybe a Pillsbury pizza dough. Ooh. But like one of these canned pizza doughs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she just cuts them up into squares. And it's these little easy, biteable, 
Nice. Delicious little things. Wow. Wonderful. She's made them before too, and she'd made them with crescent rolls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is also equally pretty good. Yeah. But if you don't like the sugary part of it, you can go with the pizza dough. That sounds awesome. Very you know, it's cool. funny. Like credit where credits due, antipasto is kind of the original cheese board, right? I mean, it it's this kind of spread of like cheeses and charcuterie and and pickled things, and that's kind of what we're like. Oh, the cheese board! We just invented it, but it's well. It I think back. Portugal would be highly insulted when you talk <laughs> about that because they have what's called patiscus, which is the same thing. There's little fried bits, and there's cheese, and there's crackers, and there's olives, and there's nuts. So. Maybe we're the ones who invented the cheese board. (laughs) (laughs) Everything old is new again. Exactly. What about you, Amy, though? Tell us about your food fortnight. And I'm sure that it was very interesting because you really didn't spend it at home. I didn't. So I just got back about 36 hours ago from Italy. It was the trip of a lifetime. I went with my nine cousins and we we revisited the places where our great grandparents came from. So um, I'm trying to do some more pasta making now to ease my way back into regular life. But I also got a new pestle, a wooden olive wood pestle to go with this marble mortar that I inherited from my great grandmother. And for our listeners, the mortar is the cup. Yes. Right? And the pestle is the poundy thing on top. Yes, exactly. So I have this marble mortar that belonged to my great grandmother, Severina, who mm. is really kind of the one who got us here. She was she was fairly ambitious. She had a very laid back husband. She said, we're going to America. And when she came here, she cooked for the men who dug the Cape Cod Canal and saved enough, enough money to bring her children over. So wow. cool story. And I love having this mortar, but the original wooden pestle that she had is just very fragile. I can't use it anymore. So I got this new one and it's specifically made for making pesto. The shape is like, is really good for making pesto. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be making all, all kinds of pesto now that I've got <laughs> the right equipment. Uh, that's great. It's mail mail bag bag time. <laughs> That was good. <laughs> and this one is from, we're so crazy. This is from Adam from London, who Adam made- Adam Cohn, our Adam best Cohn, friend. who made the coronation quiche, which Amy, I, and Adam, both, all three gave thumbs down to. So this is what Adam had to say. Hey guys, friend of the show, Adam, calling from London. Loved your recent episode where you talked about the coronation quiche, and I had to chime in because I made it. What's the verdict? The verdict from across the pond is it took ages and it was bland. Mm-hmm. First, it was my mistake. I didn't buy shelled fava beans, so we actually spent most of the morning watching Camilla have her crown put on her head and King Charles as well and <laughs> popping fava beans out of their shells. I thought they would be all wrapped up by then, but no. We spent a lot of time pre-cooking the ingredients and then sticking them in and baking them. But a little bit of a faff, but anyway, still was fine. Second, kind of lacked flavor. So me and my very diplomatic British husband spend time watching things on TV saying, it's bland, it's subtle, it's bland. You can sort of taste the vegetables, it's bland. Uh, I kind of thought that would be the case when I looked at the recipe because there's only half a teaspoon of salt in the entire thing. So I actually made a second one because we did like it. And uh, I added some thyme to the short crust and some dried mustard powder, added that to the custard as well. Tasted really good, and I upped the good, salt. Good, Adam. So happy to make one for you guys if you're over on a future trip. Uh, but all in all, two thumbs up from us when we made some of those tweaks. All right, take care. I love uh, how the king, in an effort to kind of have a more humble official coronation dish, kind of 
just didn't account for the fact that not everyone has a team of cooks to shell the fava beans for <laughs> exactly. them. Like, <laughs> but beyond that, sure. Fair. I mean, his mom had that, you know, curry chicken salad, you know, pretty right. easy. Not him. But anyway, <laughs> the recipe that Adam tweaked will be on my website and also in the show notes for the show. So you'll be able to try his version. He even sent a photo. So we'll get that Ooh, up there too. Lovely. Well, I love hearing that. And I love that the recipe has been tested and approved. Yeah. Now it is time for the week in food news with David Leet and Amy Traverso. So what do you have on the news front, Amy? Okay, well, this news comes from Food and Wine magazine. The We love them. <laughs> this is kind of a I love this. It's it's about the world's first mountain air sommelier. Okay? Now keep an open mind. <laughs> this is a Wait a minute, a I don't even gift. know what that is. Is he doing wine in mountains no, or no, he's he is he is curating mountain air to to appreciate like connoisseurs, the oh, joys Jesus. of mountain air. Okay, so he oh was... God. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. Okay. Talk about billionaire problems. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. This is for everybody. Okay. <laughs> the Graubünden region of Switzerland, the Graubünden region of Switzerland mm -hmm. is trying to attract tourists for new experiences. Now, some of us have heard of the term forest bathing, where you, uh, where you go into a forest and you just kind of hang out. And this is science-based. This is evidence-based because it turns out that trees release pheromones that actually boost our serotonin levels. This has been studied. Okay. So... Our friend, Patrick Stebler, he is a perfumer. This man knows how to identify and appreciate scents. He's Swiss. Okay. <laughs> Amy, as if those two things are wait, connected. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So he is taking groups of people out into this region of Switzerland. Okay. <laughs> and he's helping them to identify and appreciate the different scents of different places. The calming resinous top notes found in lush forests, the oh floral aromas of high alpine meadows. And he talks about how these different scents come out of every region's particular air quality, altitude, temperature, humidity. You can go to Viamala to breathe in the heavenly scent of berry bushes, or you can go to uh, these old growth forests. And And I have to say, David, and I yeah. having just come from Liguria in Italy, mm -hmm. I was really noticing the unique sense of that place, the sure. cedar trees, yeah. the jasmine blossoms, the honeysuckle, the eucalyptus, and it felt like one way of really experiencing the region. So I'm kind of open to this and to have yeah, someone but, help. But what's going to happen, Amy? <laughs> All right, Ames, when you start getting the Bezoses of the world and you start getting the Elon Musks of the world taking their private jets and helicopters to the top of these mountains, that's what you're going to be smelling. Okay, these tours with Patrick mm -hmm. begin at just 50 Swiss francs per person. But how so, do you get up to the top of the mountains? Well, they take you like in a, in a little car or van. 
up to, you know, to these different, they've chosen different areas that are known for having their really special sets. Look, really? if you enjoy wine, part of the pleasure of wine and part of the pleasure of working with sommelier is mm-hmm. that is that joy of teasing out, right? It's like really paying attention yeah, yeah, to your absolutely. senses, yeah, yeah, identifying yeah. the aromas, identifying the flavors. It's like a little game you play with your sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. So this is just a different version. Yes, it's a little bit silly, but I would 100% do this. Adam, is that a thumbs up for you or thumbs down? I don't even know if I can thumb at anywhere. That sounds so peculiar. <laughs> you want to you put the thumb somewhere where you can't say. I um, I don't know. I've, I guess I've heard sillier things, but that's kind of like a, a thumb sideways thumb, you know, neither up nor down. It's like a- And it's about $54 with the current exchange rate. To be on the top of a mountain and smell things. Yeah. A little guided yeah. nature walk. It's a guided nature yeah, walk. Mean, They're just giving yeah. it a name. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll go with it. And so now we also have the cottage cheese comeback. You know, this episode is filled with alliteration. You realize that? So this once beloved diet food, cottage cheese, now suddenly has become the hip dairy food of Gen Z. Now it's the hottest or one of the hottest food trends on social media with more than 200, get this, 250 million views for hashtag Cottage cheese. On TikTok, that's just TikTok alone. It's turning up everywhere. Things like cottage cheese ice cream and cottage cheese bread. A lot of people are saying that millennials and Gen Zers have gotten tired of Greek yogurt, and which has been, you know, the king of the dairy space for who knows, a decade or something. And so since cottage cheese has a more neutral flavor than Greek yogurt, cottage cheese can go sweet or savory. So it can it's very, how can I say, it's flavor fluid. If you yes. will, it's flavor fluid, <laughs> <laughs> and we support flavor fluidity. Yes, and cooks we do. and customize their cottage cheese the way they like it. Now, here's a quote: Consumers are engaging a lot with new ways to use cottage cheese, whether blended and frozen as a high-protein ice cream, or as an ingredient in recipes such as savory breakfast toast, pasta dishes, or post-workout smoothies. Corey Christoffel, cultured brand manager. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Cultured brand manager of Kemp's Dairy Company told the New York Post, and it can be blended for a smooth texture. What is a cultured brand manager? Does that mean a person is cultured? Or is or it a food? person who who's the brand manager for the cultured products line of this dairy company? There we go. So okay. this we found this story on tasteofhome.com. Yeah. But I mean, I have been seeing this everywhere. The Me cottage too. cheese. Yeah, everywhere. And yeah. it is a very versatile ingredient. And it's true that if you don't like that chunky texture, you just put it in the blender and you get something smooth and creamy, high in protein. And it never dawned on me because my mother used to force when I was a chunky little child, she used to force <laughs> cottage cheese down my throat and I couldn't stand it. Yeah. So is this a thumbs up for you, Adam? Thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up. I'll go thumbs up. I'm kind of interested in the ice cream part. Yeah, yeah, right? Me too. It's it's a nice nice to have an alternative to Greek yogurt. I'm a little tired of it, I have to say. Yeah. What about you, Ames? Thumbs up? Thumbs down? Yeah, thumbs up. I'm all for yeah. it. I've actually, I actually have two containers of cottage cheese in my refrigerator at this very mm-hmm. moment because I don't know, it's like it trickles down. <laughs> and I'm a thumbs up too. So yes. All right. That's great. Now that we got our news done. We now have to go all the way across the globe to Liguria and be, I never can say this the correct way. Piemonte. Piemonte. And while you were there, Amy, <laughs> you texted and said, I think I found the best part of Italy. And I was just happy for you. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> applaud, applaud. I was so happy so for you. So glad for uh, you. So tell me, what okay. was the best part of Italy? 
So, and I just want to say going into this, first of all, I'm going to try to pronounce things correctly. And I do speak some Italian. I'm not fluent. So forgive any uh, garblings that I do. Second of all, I don't want to be the asshole talking about my trip to Italy. I'm hoping that everything I share is useful or, you know, will help you to plan a trip to Italy. That is my intention. My intention is not to like swat around oh, talking Amy, about you, my trip. You could never be an asshole. You're asshole okay. adjacent if you did this. That's all. <laughs> okay. So I am of Italian American heritage. Yes. And the story of this trip, I, just quickly, is that my beloved cousin lost her husband quite young. And we had a memorial service last summer. And at the memorial service, we were all there and we said, we need something happy to think about. You know, we've all wanted to go see this part of Italy that our family's from. Let's just do it. And we did a pinky promise at the time. And you know how you run into a friend you haven't seen in a long time and you say, we should totally have dinner. And you never do. Never do. We freaking did it. We all went to Italy. That's we great, did it. Amy. Like we committed the time. We we came up with a budget. Oh. We worked with a travel agency. And so we went to a place I've never been, which is Liguria and Piemonte. I had been to Piemonte once a long time ago, which is where our family's from, but they're very they're right next to each other and they're they there's a lot of cross-pollination between Liguria and Piemonte. And in fact, Genoa, which is in Liguria, is where all of our family left. That's that's the port through which they left. So mm-hmm. lots of connections between the two. There are four things that really stood out to me. The landscape is absolutely stunning. Um, mm, the yeah. flora, as I said before, the, the olive trees, the jasmine, the honeysuckle, the cedar, the lemons and oranges growing along the coast. Liguria is coastal, so it's sort of the Italian Riviera. It, mm-hmm. it Then it leads into France, the French Riviera. So gorgeous landscape. The water, the Mediterranean there, there are these crystalline Mm. aqua, like almost fluorescent blue waters that you swim in. The water is so clear. There's almost no silt in the sand. And so the water is just crystal clear. The food is some of my favorite Italian food. You've got the focaccia, you've got the fresh seafood, you've got Mm. vegetables, you've got these herb sauces like pesto. It's very fresh, it feels very light and healthy. And the people were so friendly, so kind. In you know, all of my attempts to speak Italian were met with kindness and and like encouragement. It was so lovely to not be like, oh my God, you're mangling my language. (laughs) Yeah, the, the French, yeah. So all of that. And then Piemonte going to this place where my grandfather was born, so deeply moving, so wonderful. In particular, the the part of Piemonte that I want to recommend to people is is Alessandria, which is, or Alessandria. It's this beautiful wine growing region. It kind of made me think, oh, this must be what Napa Valley was like in the 70s before it got mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. fancy and crazy. It feels like there's this momentum there and that the wine tourism business is starting to gear up, but it hasn't been so discovered that the prices are outrageous wow. and it still was uncrowded. It wasn't overrun with tourists. So I definitely need to get back there. But David, I'm curious, where have you traveled in Italy? I think a lot. Alan and I have been in Rome and we drove up to Siena and to Florence. Mm. And we also were in Venice and the whole Veneto. 
Right. And we've also been in Lake Como area. Uh-huh. And then I've also been in Friuli, which is up northeast. Oh, I've northeast. never been there. It's yeah. It's very nice. I did that on a press tour in Lake Maggiore and some, I say Maggiore, and yep, some of the nice. other lakes in the lake region. And that's it. I've never been south of Rome, though. Right. That's, that's I've it. only been to the Amalfi Coast once when mm. I was 18, and that was very beautiful. I could live in Rome easily. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the classic foods of these two areas? Yeah. So in Liguria, it's all about pesto, focaccia, mm. farinata, which I adore. It's a chickpea flatbread. So it's Ooh. it's made, it's perfect for people who are gluten-free. It's basically a dough made with chickpea flour. It's really saturated in olive oil. They add different types of herbs and flavorings to it. Mm. It is mm. so good and so satisfying. And yet it feels somewhat healthy because you've got a lot of protein in there and, you know, those, right. the legumes. Um, trophier, which is the style of pasta. It's like little, it's almost like a little rolled up handkerchief style pasta. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, they do eat a fair amount of rabbit, which I'm not a super huge fan of. Uh, just, I think rabbits are cute. It's hard for me to eat. And then <laughs> yeah. tons of seafood. And the traditional form of what you'd call like a ravioli, like a stuffed pasta is called pansotti. And mm-hmm. it's just often made with a vegetable filling and tossed in pesto and it's so What shape is it? Is it good. square like ravioli? It's, it's kind of like a ravioli where there's like a ruffle of pasta around the outside mm-hmm. and there's this little ball of filling in the middle. Delicious. Mm-hmm. And then Piemonte, it's very mountainous. You go from this coastal area and all of a sudden you're in these big mountains and it's all about beef and hazelnuts oh, and gosh. truffles and roviola oh. cheese and agnolotti is the stuffed pasta, which are these little tiny filled pastas. They look mm-hmm. like... Th- yeah. They almost look like chiclets. Um, and vitello tonato, which is one of which my... Which I adore. So good. Very, very thinly sliced veal in a... I know it sounds weird, but it's a sauce that's made with tuna. Oh yep. And, and it sounds weird. Oh. I know. I had a hard time persuading my cousins Loved to try it. it. Oh, it's so good. So those are mm. some, some of the classic. Obviously, I'm just very, very limited sample, but... So those are the foods, the general food lay of the land, if you will. What are the best restaurant meals that you had? Okay, there were two. And the first one was was a Michelin one-star restaurant in mm. Paraji, which is right next to Portofino. And it is the most gorgeous little beachside restaurant slash club, the chicest sexiest, most amazing spot that overlooks the crystalline waters of Paraji Bay, Paraji. Mm -hmm. This restaurant was called Langosteria. It's sort of like a beach club slash restaurant, Mm -hmm. as sexy and chic as could be. And the food was amazing. I had uh, this incredible sort of uh, frutti di mare kind of seafood salad, you know, with just very simple, like, you know, calamari and, and and shrimp and just delicious fresh fresh seafood tossed with olive oil very simple and then I had papal pomodoro which is like a tomato and bread soup this one was served cold with little clams chopped over it it was oh. so good oh food my God, was beautiful I'm so the service now. was amazing I know and then the, but honestly the best meal I had was yeah. in Gavi which is the town where our great grandmother's from Gavi G A V I and it this restaurant was called Bar Trattoria Il Borgo. And it is a little 
casual, like working people stop there to have their two course lunch and a Mm -hmm. glass of house wine. We had these ravioli gavi, which is a specific style. And it's, it's a ravioli that's filled with beef, sausage, veal, and and borage, which is hard to find here and marjoram. Mm -hmm. And it, you could have it either with a bolognese sauce or a butter and sage sauce. Both ways was so good. I had vitello tonato. It was like the dream of the Italian restaurant. We were on a patio in the shade. Mm. It was a sunny day. There were these guys stopping like in the middle of their workday coming in and having their their two or three course lunch. So inexpensive. So I'm going to share photos of this place. It was the best meal I had on the trip. Oh my God. I have to tell you, listening, I... I'm very hungry and I'm Let's very Let's go envious. there together. It's I'm, so, oh, and Gavi is not touristy, but it's because of the wine industry. There was like great shops, great pasta shops, pasticceria, a great bakeries, great little salumeria. There was a fabulous mm. clothing shop where I got this gorgeous dress. And the most amazing thing is like the mm. name Traverso, Traverso was on the war memorial. It was on, there's oh, a real estate office named Traverso. It, it was so deeply meaningful to feel that we are of this place. We came and what a privilege to know where you come from and to have the means to go visit it, you know? I completely so, understand so beautiful. that. I know you get that. I know you get that. When I went to the Azores for the first time, the one came with me and I had heard about the Azores all of my life. I never wanted to go there because to me, I wanted to separate from being Portuguese. And when I visited my dad's house that he grew up in and it had dirt floors back then and mm. just a loft on top for the beds. And now it was all you know done up regular with tiles and there was a big screen TV. And But the woman living there who was my grandfather's cousin I asked her, can I see the wall oven? And then Alan and I pulled the stove out and there was a piece of metal behind it. And we pulled that out and there was the old wall Uh. brick oven where everything was baked. And a lot of people started coming by because I guess they did a phone tree saying that I was here. Not that they knew who I was, but they knew who my father was. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing in the street right in front of this small little house looking down toward the Atlantic Ocean because it's an island a thousand miles off the coast of Portugal. I had the sense of, I am here, mm-hmm. I am here. I knew that pin drop, that Google pin drop, it mm-hmm. dropped exactly where it all began. And there mm-hmm. was a sense of completion. That mm-hmm. circle was closed. So I completely understand and I am so glad you had that experience. And I'm even, I'm a little envious that you had it with a lot of people in your family. That's just was- wonderful. It was so wonderful. And it, you know, there's certainly a lot of people who've had their family histories stolen from them, who, you know, who just don't yeah. have access yep. to those records, who, who had their culture stolen from them. And so it really wasn't lost on me. Like, what a privilege this is. And then to go with these cousins who I actually, we knew each other, but not that well. And to have this, we were creating a new kind of family and new bonds in our family mm-hmm. while we were there. And what a gift. But interestingly, David, some of the best meals we had were really meals we cooked at home. Some of the restaurant meals we had were actually disappointing. And you think that you can't get a bad restaurant meal in Italy. It's not true. Of course, you can get a mediocre restaurant meal anywhere. And I wonder, anywhere, yeah. do you think that yeah. our professions as like food people has sort of spoiled us a bit that maybe we're more critical? I was, I was like, I'm not loving this meal. Am I being too critical or is it just like a mediocre meal? And I think some of them were just mediocre meals. I don't know if you have that experience. 
I think some of them are just mediocre. Some of them just cater to tourists. Some of yeah. them just are not that great. And I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm spoiled by my profession because I really never did the restaurant beat much. I just have cooked a lot and I know what I like and I like yeah. what I know. And if I feel that I can make this better at home or a version yeah. of this better, then that's when I'm not happy. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's put the restaurants aside for a bit. Now, what kind of cooking were you doing while you were there? Because I think that's fascinating is to shop, to move around, to act like a local and to cook like a local. Absolutely. What were you doing? So we rented a an apartment in a really beautiful villa that's owned by this family and it's owned by four brothers and they rent out one floor and it overlooks Paraji Beach. Could not have been better. And because we were nine people, you know, this was a fairly expensive place to rent, but when you divide mm. it among nine people, it's it was like 110 euros a night for each Ooh. of us. So the advantage of traveling in a group of being able to split the cost of things was really remarkable. Like we 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 did a private boat to, you know trip around Portofino and out. Oh my I, we probably God. wouldn't have been able to afford that if it was just you know me and my immediate family, but we could mm. do it. And it, so that opened up all these experiences. So yes, we all found that we happen to love shopping at local supermarket. One of my favorite things to do in any country is go yes. to the supermarket. Mm-hmm, it's the mm-hmm. most fun to see how people live every day. And you, oh. Such insight into how people live in a foreign yes. country. And it's always remarkable to me in Italy. I know that Italy is dealing with a lot of inflation. However, still compared to the United States, the food prices seemed remarkably low. So we we were shopping at the supermarkets. We also found this market in Santa Margherita Ligure, which is a lovely beach town right near Portofino. And they have a, a market called Segezzo, which is like an Italian gourmet market, kind of mm-hmm. like uh, Dean and DeLuca's. They oh. had the most gorgeous food. They had yeah. the cheeses the charcuterie, the bread, the like wine. They just had everything and everything was so high quality. And then in Genoa, we shopped at the Mercato Orientale, which that name, little, little... uh uh, an Asian market, let's say yes. Asian market. But it, it actually was just a general food market. It was sort of, oh. uh, it was a food hall basically and, and okay. probably called that because of old trading labels. And Anyway, right. one person with the green grocer, one person selling the cheese, one person selling the spices. Uh, that. That's so wonderful, yeah. And then we would go back to the villa and we would cook and it was, it was just so much easier with nine people rather than going to a restaurant and figure out who owes what for the meal. Mm-hmm. So the first night my sister and I made a sort of sugo because we had some leftover pork shanks from a lunch that we'd had. Every, they gave mm-hmm. us these huge pork shanks. So we took the meat off of those. We cooked it with mushrooms, with tomatoes, garlic, mm. you know, marjoram, rosemary, and just made this gorgeous sugo, this like meaty sauce. And we served that with trophie, which wasn't probably the right pasta shape, but it's what we had and it was delicious. We had one night where we did, you know, just gorgeous salads and frittatas. We just kind of cooked with what we had on hand and every meal was wonderful. And the wine, like $2 bottles of dry Lambrusco that were so good. So we had so much fun cooking. We spent one day in the Cinque Terre exploring the five villages that you can travel either by hiking from one to one or you can mm-hmm. there's a train that goes between all of them so you can very easily oh, cool. explore yeah. all of them in a single day and it's pretty crowded and touristy but I went into a little market and I found a dish that I am so in love with and I need to make it here it's called testaroli and it's a gluten-free pasta option it is a mm. flat crepe-like pancake that's baked in these little 
terracotta dishes called testo, tasty, mm-hmm. and that's why it's called testaroli. And and it's like a, a crepe made with this chickpea flour, and you cut it into squares, and then you boil it, and it cooks like a pasta, Ooh. and then you toss it with a either a pesto or like there's a traditional walnut sauce that I used mm-hmm. to toss it in. It was so good. So if you have gluten-free family members, look for this recipe because you can enjoy an amazing pasta meal with this chickpea flour. Now, one of the things I noticed, because I was devouring, see what I did there? Devouring your Instagram <laughs> feed. And I was just, I was liking everything and it was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. I saw that you were in, you had a cooking class and then it rained, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So our travel agent arranged a cooking class in Genoa The best part was it wasn't at a cooking school. It was in the apartment of this lovely young couple. They're both chefs. Mm. And this is something they do on the side. They welcome people and they have a a really lovely terrace up on the roof. And they put up a little tent and they do the cooking classes up there. And we learned to make pesto the proper way with a mortar and pestle. And Mm. then we made this pasta called Picage mate. It's a Genoese dialect. It means crazy napkins. It's made with three parts flour, type zero flour that they use in Italy. Type zero or double zero? Single zero, one zero. Single zero. And one part chestnut flour. And so it has this brown color and nutty flavor. flavor, And you just make it with eggs and salt like a typical pasta. And then you slice it into thick ribbons, kind of like a tagliatelle. And typically you would eat that with pesto. So we made the pesto. But it was funny in the middle of... It was a beautiful sunny day when we started in the middle of the class. It just buckets of rain started pouring down. So we grabbed everything, ran downstairs, finished the class in their their dining room. And it was a beautiful experience. And um, I will link to the classes on the podcast page if you find yourself in Genoa and want to take this class. Highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds wonderful. But let me ask you, this picaggi, is that it? Mm Mm-hmm. The picaggi mati with the chestnut flour. I thought... It would go better with like a brown butter sauce versus a pesto. Absolutely. It would be delicious with that. It would be. It would be so good. Right. The nuttiness of the butter, the nuttiness of the the chestnut. That all sounds wonderful. And also, if everyone just goes visits Amy's Instagram feed, it's going to be like you were there. I promise. Yeah. I can't believe it was real. Every day we were pinching ourselves. It was like living Mm. in a dream. It was everything we'd hoped for and more. And I'm so inspired by these new recipes I've learned to start cooking and to really get more in touch with my Italian heritage. And if you have questions, if you have, you know, if you if you want some more information on this trip and want to book your own trip, please reach out to me at Amy Traverso. I'd be happy to answer. Talking with My Mouthful is produced by Overt Studios, and our producer is the Luce della Nostra Vita, <laughs> Adam Claremont, and that's Light of Our Lives in Italian. You can reach Adam and Overt Studios at overtstudios.com. And remember to follow Talking With My Mouthful wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And a new feature, if you like what you hear, and we really hope you do, you can support us just like you support public media. You'll find a link on our show page on your favorite podcast platform. You click it to support. Even a dollar will do. Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Bye, David. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, that's wonderful. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>